Hi, everyone. I'm so happy you've tuned into the show. Whether you have listened before or you're brand new, I'm so grateful for you. You have no idea. And this episode is brought to you by my Become Aligned course. And podcasts are amazing. And I know that you know that because you guys all listen to them. And I do too. And sometimes they are not necessarily enough because while we're listening, sometimes we're passively listening and we're not actively listening. So the reason that Chris and I... Chris is my husband. The reason we've created this course is because we get asked so many questions outside of the podcast on how we started living the life that we live now, a life of happiness, of abundance, of really understanding that life is always full of problems every single day, but there's always a solution. And how do we shift back into a mindset that's going to keep us happy, keep us together, keep us successful, and keep us in thriving relationships? And that is what our Become Aligned course is about. Because we cover everything from mindset to the rituals that we do every single day. We talk about different energy sources that's really going to provide you with lasting energy. We talk about your purpose and what that actually means, what it is, and how it's ever-changing. We're going to tap into your beliefs. We're going to show you how to build a tribe to support where you're going. And we're definitely going to talk about wealth, abundance, money, all of the good things, and how to sustain all of this. Because while, like I said, podcasts are absolutely awesome, you don't necessarily sit down and actually write out a plan for yourself. Because as much as I can sit here and tell you on the podcast what we do and how much, how many different people that I can interview, it's important that you actually learn how to apply these things in your own life. So if you've been listening for a while and you are ready to go deeper and you really want to get some direct training and be able to dive into your life, and yourself and your mindset, this is the course for you. I don't know about you, but I absolutely have points in my life where I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what I'm doing. Sometimes I hit walls where I don't necessarily feel happy anymore and I haven't sat with myself long enough. I haven't really let myself think. I haven't written out how I actually feel. And so many people who took this course said that it was completely life-changing and they revealed a lot of things about themselves, about them about their lives, about their relationships that they weren't really looking at or they were avoiding. And it's about having those tough conversations, not only with other people, but really with yourself and knowing that you have the tools and the access to the tools. And we're going to teach you all of the tools that you need, not only to move through things, but to actually thrive on the other side. So you guys, I would love for you to join the Aligned community. It's such a special group of human beings and you get lifetime access. This is nine different modules where you're going to be working through each area of your life at your own pace. So you might need something on abundance. You might need more on you know money. You might need more on your purpose, on your tribe. This is where you can really go deep on exactly what you need and make sure that you're not missing any of your blind spots if you are feeling stuck or if you are wondering how everyone is doing it and how they're managing it all. This is a truly honest course about how to have a thriving life and manage and deal with all of the different problems that do come up in your life and understand that not everyone is going to support you and not everyone is for you and you are not for everyone. And that's 
okay. It's finding your people. It's forgiving yourself. It's creating a life of abundance and choosing your own purpose and your happiness. So you guys, you can go to becomealigned.com. That's becomealigned.com. And you guys know that because you're listeners, I'm going to give you an awesome deal and an awesome discount. And I cannot wait to see you in that community. And also let me know if you join because it is such an awesome, awesome uh, community. And also I'm really proud of this course. Chris and I poured our heart and our soul into this. Everything that we've done, everything that we've learned, we've invested so much into ourselves that this is everything that we have applied in our lives. And if you want to know how we've done it, we put it all on the table. We've put it all in this course. So if you want to know, go check it out at becomealigned.com. So let's get into the show. So in a very kind of cerebral world where you're not supposed to talk a lot about faith and spirit and, you know, Mm -hmm. personal development and growth, even though that is at my core who I am. Welcome to the Earn Your Happy Podcast. I'm Lori Harder, founder of The Bliss Project, three-time fitness world champion, fitness expert, and cover model turned self-love junkie, lifestyle entrepreneur, and author. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought that will help you bust through your fears, connect to your soul, and get focused and clear so you can elevate your life, business, and relationships. We don't wait until we're ready for someone to tell us we're good enough. We take what we want and we anoint ourselves. Get ready to earn, own, and unapologetically rock your happiness every single day. Are you with me? Here we go. Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Erica Williams-Simon. She has worked in and around the highest level of every change focus industry in America, politics, tech, media, and faith, and in the process, unlocked the truth about creating change in a culture hell-bent on maintaining the status quo. From her days as a Washington insider, all the way to the times at the Creators Lab at Snapchat, this preacher's daughter has spent her life inside and outside of major industries, driving the honest conversation that help a diverse generation ask critical questions, build fulfilling lives, and change the world. She is also the host of the popular podcast, The Call with Erica. This is reaching an audience of 1.5 million people. She's also the co-host of The Assembly, which is a non-traditional talk series executive produced by Rosario Dawson. And her first book, which is now out, called You Deserve the Truth, is so incredibly good. You guys, I can't wait for you to listen in this conversation. I literally fell in love with this woman. Uh, We had a beautiful energetic connection and I know that you will pick up on that because I'm sure if you were sitting across from her, you would feel the exact same thing too. So I can't wait for you to drop into this conversation that we had. Let's get started. Erica, thank you so much for coming on the show today. I'm excited to have you on and talk about your new book and everything else that you have going on in your life. 
Thank you so much, Lori. I'm so excited to talk to you. I have like a secret love for authors or people who are especially first book people because I literally feel like I'm still in it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because I just, I love hearing about the journey. And I will tell you that majority of my listeners want to do something like write a book or get their story yeah. out there or get in the room. So before we get into anything else, I want to know how you're feeling in this exact moment and like what's going on around like marketing the book for you. It's so funny. I, I actually feel... To, so the book is coming out right now. I feel really, really great. And it's because I did so much mental, emotional, and spiritual work to mm-hmm. feel great for when the book came out. Like I prepared myself. I've seen so many, um, you know, some of my friends have written books and you know, have set different goals. Like I must hit a bestseller list or I must, you know, ha- meet these career, my- career milestones. And for me, I had a very, very simple goal. And it was, you know, the name of the book is You Deserve the Truth. I wanted to share the truth to as many people as possible and particularly to as many people in person as possible or to be able to hear my voice. So I designed this book campaign around events, around a tour. Um, around you know conversations like this one and a podcast, um, and so for me that's where the success comes in and the victory comes in. It's the the ability to like use my voice directly, engage with people, and hear their stories. So I'm I'm really really excited about that next step. Were you you know since the title of your book is You Deserve the Truth? Was there a part of this book coming out at all? You said you did a lot of work. Was there a part for a while where you were nervous about something coming out, or you were nervous about how something could be received? Uh, not, you know what, the thing that I was actually most nervous about, and this was in the beginning of the book process. So the background of my career, which I I know we'll get into a little bit later, but I started out in politics. Mm. Um, and so in a very kind of cerebral world where you're not supposed to talk a lot about faith and spirit and, you know, Mm -hmm. personal development and growth, even though that is at my core who I am. Um, the book actually chronicles me leaving that world for a host of reasons. But I think the, the first fear that I had as I was writing it was, wow, all of these people who know me for talking about these very serious issues like politics and social justice, they might think it's weird that I'm writing about how to change your life or that I write about love or faith and money. They might think it's like, you know, quote unquote, self-healthy. I remember when, when my um, editor told me she's like no this is this is actually a self-help book and I was like no 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 no, no. Okay, <laughs> like, this is absolutely not that because I too had this like a lot of people I had this negative connotation of what self-help meant yeah um, and I was like no let's call it something else she's like honey this is where it's gonna sit in the bookstore you call it what you want but that's what it is <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like, what you oh, want? This is where you'll find it. <laughs> this is what it is, and I was like, "Oh, okay." So that was the only fear I had initially, but but that quickly left too when I realized I don't really care what the label is. I'm saying what I wish someone had said to me. And the more I talk about the content of the book, and the more I talk about the power of story and changing your life and all those things, the more I realize that is what people want to hear and are looking for. Um, and that really is the goal. So call it self-help. It's totally fine with me now. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, you just shared so much good stuff there. And I I don't even know where to begin, but I want to kind of unpack what you had said about, um, you know, it, coming from the politics world, I was afraid to talk about my faith or I was afraid to talk about self-help or whatever, love, all those things around that. I find that 
we, I have so many people who always ask me, how did you start talking about faith in the work that you do now? Or how did you leave, you know, fitness and you get into self-help? Like, what did that look like? Because they're always so afraid of mixing them. And it's crazy because with your book, I can only imagine, because this is what happened for me. So I want to hear about your journey. Like you sit down and you try to write a chapter about a topic and you almost don't even know how to keep it to that topic because everything is connected. Yeah. Like I didn't know how to unweave it. So how do you know, how do you go about explaining to people like you actually can't even support yourself in, you know, politics in the world you were in if you're not feeling connected or taking care of yourself? No, exactly. And 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 I also feel like this is the right moment culturally and socially mm-hmm. when people are starting to recognize that, right? Mm-hmm. Like I think a lot of folks post 2016. Um, you know, regardless of, of where you fall on the political spectrum, although it'll be very clear when you read the book where I fall, I think regardless of that, people felt like, well, what is happening in the world, mm-hmm. right? Um, the, the, the amount of division, the amount of chaos, the, the difficulty um, in, in trying to find what is true, what is not true, what is fact, what is fiction, people who were friends turning into enemies, mm-hmm. um, you know, a focus on injustice. There was just all of this stuff happening. And I think a lot of people were saying, okay, I, I need to figure this out. And this is clearly about something other than just what we've been taught politics is about. Um, this is about something other than, you know, numbers and facts and polling. This is about who we are as people. Mm-hmm. Um, this is about who we are as humans. And you cannot I don't believe you can even begin to talk about that without addressing spirit, without addressing who we are when we go to bed at night and no one else is around and you are by yourself in a room. It's just you, right? Mm-hmm. And we are at our core spiritual beings, whether or not you choose to acknowledge that mm-hmm. or nurture that part of yourself. And that's, you know, that's up to you, but it doesn't change its presence in your life. And so the way that I look in the world, the way that I look at the world and at, at everything that happens in the world is through that lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't necessarily mean just, you know, spiritual with air quotes or religious. I just mean, I'm always thinking about who we are as people and how do we really want to live. And if we can't have those conversations, we'll never actually change the way we live. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's something everyone's always trying to do. I mean, literally the entire self-help industry was built off of the idea of trying to change something. You want to change your circumstances, your income, your body, um, your your marriage and your relationship, whatever it is. And I just don't know. I don't know any other way to change than to get to the core of what the, the real issues are. Mm. So tell me a little bit about the stories that you, like some of the main themes and stories that you had learned and carried with you uh, growing up. Uh, let's see. I mean, so one of the first stories I learned uh, subconsciously was about the value of work, right? Mm. That work is inherently value. Um, valuable and that your value is tied to your productivity. Mm. How how much you can work, how much money you can make from what you do. Um, how do you measure the impact of what you're doing? And everything was about work. I was rewarded as a kid for um, you know for working very hard. And I had, had my first job. I was actually too young to have the job, but <laughs> but we lied. And so I was working in a physical therapist's office as a PT aide when I was like 15 oh, wow. years old. And I loved work. I didn't feel pressured to do it. I loved it. But I realized what that meant for me was that in my adult life, if I wasn't working, I didn't know who I was. Oh. What and would I that look that's... like? Like what would that when you 
when you weren't working or when you were alone and when you didn't have something coming up, like what does that feeling feel like when you, you know, the moment of like, wow, I'm kind of sitting with myself. I felt empty. I felt useless. I mean, even I've I've already talked so much about, you know, spiritual life and spiritual work. And I think I do that because I'm a a pastor's kid. So Mm -hmm. I grew up, literally our church was our family business. Um, I mean, not money-making business, but it was Mm -hmm. kind of what, what we did. And even then, for me, church was work. I, I, I would every Sunday, every Tuesday, every Wednesday, every Thursday, it was something. And so I didn't know how to just settle and, and think and process and make choices about what I wanted to do. It was just, if there's a task in front of you, you do it. And what that meant in my career was that I'd gotten to a point, um, which is kind of the jumping off point for the book, is when I had this, built this career that looked really great on paper because I had taken that approach to my, to my life and career, which is like, there's a task, do it, accomplish it, overachieve, work hard, burn out. Mm. Um, and I got to this point and I was like, oh, do I even really like what I'm doing? Mm. <laughs> is this even where I want to be? When, um, when you realized that, was it because it was just like you were, you had no energy, you were feeling numb? Like, how was that showing up for you? Well, it wasn't that I didn't have energy. It's that I, I wasn't being myself in my work. Uh, so I was, I was playing a part, playing a role, right. Of the successful millennial who is, you know, doing good in the world. And this was like a prototype, like, especially for our generation, there's like these prototype millennials. Uh, and I felt like I was acting out that part, but it wasn't okay to talk about spirituality or it wasn't okay to, you know, talk about arts and culture and, and creativity and express yourself as a creative being in that industry. Um, mm-hmm. It wasn't okay, ironically enough, to talk about race and gender in the workplace, even though a lot of the issues that we're working on have to do with race and gender. Yeah. There were all of these rules. And I said, oh God, that's, that's not really how I, how I feel. It's not really who I am. So why am I doing it? No one, no one has forced me to do it. No one was forcing me. It's just, I was working and hustling and working and working and working. And so the, you know, what I talk about in the book is when you really understand how these stories shape your behavior, that's when you have the power to reject them and say, actually, what do I believe about work, right? Mm -hmm. That work is not synonymous with job. Work means effort. And I can work in a number of areas of my life. And that doesn't necessarily have to tie to a job, that a job is how you make a living, but your work is how you make your life. And so if I really want to build a well-rounded, fulfilled whole life, I can be contributing my effort and energy to things that have nothing to do with making money, to things that have nothing to do with a boss and metrics, but I can actually apply that same level of effort and energy to the things that fulfill me. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was my new story. Was that... I mean... I know for me, having experiences like that, it's one of the scariest things to do is to actually, there's that bridge of nothing where you can't see the other side. It's like the bridge to Narnia. (laughs) (laughs) It like doesn't actually exist. So that gap of faith, and you know, I was flipping through, I was flipping through your book and something jumped out at at me. It was faith isn't about uh, like switching it from faith is about certainty to faith is about wonder. And I was like, oh my God, so many people, they don't take that leap because faith is about certainty. So you switching that story, sometimes it feels like it, it's not even going to happen or it doesn't exist. So what do we do in the, tra- like, what do we do in the transition of flipping a story? Yeah, I think you have to be, you have to get comfortable with discomfort, mm. right? It is, it is not comfortable to not know where you are. It's like the old, the kind of old parable in the Bible story of, 
of walking on water, right? And we use that term a lot. You like you, you walk on water and everything is going to be okay. And I'd always heard that growing up. And so I like took my leap and I'm like, no, 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 this is not okay. This is very scary. <laughs> this, this is not normal. This is not comfortable. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. And you have to, you have to kind of be okay with that. I think having a good support system around you, having some people who understand that and can um, encourage you in the process and not expect things of you. I think when I first walked away from my career, because of this kind of quote unquote brand that I had built for myself as like this ambitious, overachieving, always, you know, clear and directed and mission driven, people naturally were like, oh, okay, so what are you doing? What's next? What are you doing? Did you start a business? Are you consulting? Are you going to take this job? Like it was all of these questions. Mm. Ha- having my partner, having my husband, who was there to be like, oh, it doesn't matter. Just, we're good. Take the time. Figure it out. Like having mm. someone who was okay with that uncertainty alongside me was very, very helpful for those moments when I kind of was panicking about it all. So for a lot of people who listen, I know that they talk about the that transition period of what's next, but I want to. I want to know what it actually feels like in the day to day. So I know you have the the support of your husband, which is huge, like getting that supportive group or some, but just somebody, right? Sometimes you just need one person. But what do those days look like when you kind of have to be talked off the ledge? When you're like, I, you know, you're spiraling. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of crying. Uh, <laughs> yep. There's a lot of like updating the bio on your website you know, setting up meetings with people and not know what you're going to talk about. There's, there's all those things, but, but, but really there's a lot of reading, um, a lot of listening to podcasts, a lot of trying to find stories of other people who are going through the same thing, which is part of why I wrote the book. Because I think, again, no, just knowing that you're not alone, mm-hmm. knowing that what you're experiencing, particularly in this moment, um, in history, in our society, uh, with the current economy, um, just with the way I think humans are evolving, that experience of needing to transition, of needing to figure something else out is actually very, very common. So that reminder that you're not alone and doing whatever you need to do during the day to remind yourself of that. Even for me, like I literally, by the end of this process, had post-it notes covering a six-foot tall mirror in mm. my room. Um, <laughs> stuff like, as cheesy as it sounds, right? Just affirmations, mm-hmm. things that I was saying to remind myself of, okay, what are my values? What do I believe to be true? And also that the path will make itself known and make itself clear. My husband always says like the table will set itself. Mm-hmm. Your job is just to be present and to show up. So hard other- to trust that. <laughs> oh, it's so, so hard. It's so hard. The other thing I, I was just recently telling someone who's going through a similar experience now, I, I was telling them that Sometimes in the in the interim, right, when you're trying to figure it out, what is my next step? What am I called to do? What is my purpose? These kind of big existential questions. Mm-hmm. You're so afraid to get it wrong that you don't say anything, that you're just kind of quiet and you're trying to mm-hmm. wrestle with all of this in your own head, inside of your home, in your car, by yourself. Like, I'm going to journal till I figure it out, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and the truth of the matter is that even for me, the, my career transition, um, the decision to launch a business, the decision to move, all of that happened as a result of me talking out loud actively to people on a regular basis about what I was thinking and what I was feeling. Mm. And I don't mean like pouring my heart out every chance I got, but I could wake up on a Monday and have a great idea for a business. I'm like, okay, this is what it is. This is what I'm going to do. If I had kept that idea to myself, it would have never evolved. So I would take a coffee with someone and say, hey, this is what I'm thinking about doing. 
And sometimes they would say like, that's great. Cool. Didn't have anything to add. Other times they would say, oh, you know who you should talk to? You should talk to my friend. And I'd meet their friend. And as a result of a conversation with their friend, my idea would evolve because I'd be exposed to something new. Mm. Um, you know, and we're so often afraid of saying the wrong thing or being perceived as someone who doesn't have it all together that we shut ourselves off from the growth that happens only in fellowship with other people. Oh man. I'm so, so glad you shared thing. that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. so real. Oh my, I, and that's, this is such a huge thing, you guys, for you to get that you have to speak it into life. And it's not like if you say it once and you feel like you want to start something or it's this big idea or who do I think I am to do this? Like that it's something you even have to do. But I'll tell you the craziest thing is those words, like they create something, they create some sort of vibration in the universe because truly it's like you, you f- actually feel if it's, correct or not for yourself. Like when you start to speak it into life, like sometimes have you ever started something where you're like, yeah, actually the more I explain that to people, the more I'm like me, maybe not. Yes. (laughs) That happened to me so many times. And I think that is exactly what people are afraid of. Mm. I was, I was for a period of time. I was afraid that like, suppose I say something one week to a person and then six months from now, I talk to them again. I'm not doing that thing. Do I look like a loser? Do Mm -hmm. I look, you know, Flighty, do I? And let me tell you, no one actually cares. <laughs> yes, the truth of yep. the matter is, they're not paying attention anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It's mm-hmm. big transition that is so big for you, and and rightfully so, right? You're trying to figure out your life. It's actually not that big for everyone else around you. Mm-hmm. So they're not sitting up every day saying, "Hey, I wonder what Erica's doing." Didn't Erica say she was going to do? No one's thinking about it. No. If anything, they're sending good vibes, good energy your way. They want you to succeed. They want you to win. So kind of speaking speaking to people with that premise in mind, that like, it's okay if what I say changes or if it doesn't feel right after I say it, that is actually how you get closer to what is right. Oh my God. You, I think you actually, I can't remember a time when I haven't done that, that it's, you know, it's been something that I move forward on. And I think something that we can do is like, give if if we need to give ourselves permission while we're saying it, like recently I've been doing it because I'm trying to give myself permission over something I'm speaking into life. And I'm like, Hey, I'm playing with this idea, but I need to start talking about it. Like, can I start, you know, can I share this with you? Sometimes yeah. we need to just like premise it with something like that. That's so good. Such a good suggestion. And so true. So what does faith is about wonder to you mean? Like what, uh, explain that, explain that to everyone. You know, I, I come from a very, very religious background and not just because of my own unique personal story, right. Growing up as a preacher's kid. But if you grew up in, in the U S anywhere in the nineties, early two thousands, late two thousands, you know, the idea of religion has kind of always been this big topic of conversation mm-hmm. in the public square, right? And it was always about do's and don'ts, rules, exclusivity. You are a good this or a bad this, or you're not one of these at all. Um, and the only way to be this is to do this. It was just, it was a lot of certainty, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of, this is exactly what we believe and we know to be true. And if you don't agree, or if you have any doubt or any questions, you're not this. And, and, and the result I think is that people turned away, not just from religion, but from, again, from these conversations around faith and spirituality altogether, mm-hmm. because it didn't feel like it was a place that allowed for questions. Um, and what I learned over time was that more important than me having any answers um, was me having a sense of awe and wonder for the things that I don't understand, right? Mm-hmm. That's 
that's a, I call it like a heart posture. My heart posture on a daily basis is one of wonder and awe. I don't understand everything about, you know, what I call God. I don't understand it all. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It doesn't make it not real, but it also doesn't mean that I am any less worthy of a fulfilling uh, spiritual life. It doesn't mean that I'm any less worthy of being a part of a spiritual community. It just means that I've chosen to focus my attention and focus my devotion on the idea that I don't know everything and I don't need to know everything. Mm. What I can do is be in a position of awe and wonder and gratitude on a daily basis. And I found that in doing that, my life has changed so dramatically. Just the way that I look at the world. I see more good because I am looking with wonder. Mm. I resonate with that so deeply. I was raised really religious. Um, So going, you know, it was always just like, that is right and that is wrong. So, you know, on, on this path to following your purpose, following what feels good, figuring it out. There's a lot of having to go against, like you write about all in your book, go against these super ingrained stories that are in your family or in your circle. So what do we do when our circles are really, really like against whatever it is that we're doing, whether it's them trying to protect us? I mean, it normally is, but you know, because it's going against their story. What do we do? Yeah. I mean, I think there are two answers. One is that there are periods, and this doesn't sound good, and nobody wants to tell you the truth about this, but it is true. There are periods where you you may have to be alone. Mm-hmm. Right? And I know that's hard because as humans, we are hardwired for connection. Mm-hmm. But I do believe that there are parts of our journey that no one can take with us. Right. And that we will have to be by ourselves. I don't mean you literally can't hang out with your friends, you can't be around your family, but there are times when you might feel a little bit alone in in terms of that sense of disconnection from the people that still believe the stories that you no longer believe. Mm. Um, this is where I found it incredibly helpful. I know, you know, the internet gets <laughs> gets a bad rap in most <laughs> circles because it encourages so many things that maybe are not good for us. But I do think the core, um, one of the core purposes of technology is to be able um, to allow for a connection with people that you might not know in your real life. Mm. Um, so being comfortable, starting to like find groups online, share things, share content and stories um, online that that you um, that you believe to be true, and allow other people to find you. Your people are there. I kind of start most things that I do now with the premise of my people exist; they just have to find me. Right? <laughs> and so your true. people can't find you if you're not vocal. Your people can't find you if you're hiding. Mm-hmm. Um, that was actually one of, the, one of the reasons my friend was, friends were encouraging me to write a book. They're like, no, no, you have so much to say. And, and you talk to folks every day about these things. The rest of the world needs to hear it. They can't find you because you didn't write a book. <laughs> like mm-hmm. write the book so people can find you. And I feel that that's true for when you feel isolated or separate from the people that you were raised around, that you grew up with. Um, you got to get even louder then about what you believe so that more people, new people, new family um, can find you. Yes. Oh my God. A million times yes to all of that. So what about the people who you start speaking really loudly and they leave in a huff? Uh, That's tough. That's tough. Um, (laughs) You know, you can't, you cannot control other people's reactions to who you are, right? Mm -hmm. I don't believe that you being someone new automatically means that you're going to lose everyone around you, right? And in fact, what you'll find is 
oftentimes, even if who you are and what you believe makes them uncomfortable or is different, if they truly, truly love you, they will be happy for you. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to kind of paint this gloom and doom picture that like, okay, be new and then lose everything that's close to you. That's (laughs) not automatically happen. Um, But it could happen with some people. And I think being as loving and compassionate as you can for where they are, right? Mm -hmm. Understanding that, well, you being new, you believing something different, you kind of aligning your life more with your values might trigger something in them about their own life. Mm. It might challenge a story that they believe to be true that now they're starting to question. And as you know, that's difficult. So having a bit more compassion for that and still saying, you know, I can't be around something that's toxic to me. If, if you don't love me enough to say, then that is your choice. Not internalizing that um, sense of anger or betrayal or, um, you know, kind of hurt and pain, even though all those feelings are natural, not internalizing that too much because it is likely much more about them than it is about you. So what's the narrative that you create in your mind to start moving towards compassion? You know, when you're in that story and you're like so upset with someone or you feel like you just want to explain to them and explain your stance, like how do you flip wasting that energy from that into having compassion for where they could be at? This is going to sound really silly, but it works for me. I actually picture them as a child. Mm, That's Um, so good. I love that. Because they are someone's child. Yes. Yes. An adult, but we all we all have parts of us that you know we are who we are because of the influences that we had in our lives, because of the experiences that we had. And so, if I think of them as that, if I think of them as also a person, um, you know, who is evolving and growing and has hurts and has blind spots, the same way I still have blind spots and certainly had them before, right? If I kind of view them as that, you know, I was raised with the idea that I'm no worse than anyone. Right. I have a, a level, a healthy level of self-confidence, but I'm also no better than anyone. Mm. It just happens to be a way that they are exposing an insecurity that they have or a challenge that they have. And I can see it. But I have I have things that I didn't I don't want to expose that other people I hope don't see in me. So I try to kind of remember that. And again, it doesn't mean I have to subject myself to their toxicity. It doesn't mean I have to be around them all the time, but just trying to transform that energy. And if all else fails, I go back to like my Sunday school. God loves them just like he loves me. It's and- true. <laughs> right, right. I, I call on all of it. I'm just like, right, like bring, that, that bring in the child, bring in God. Let's bring in everything. Yep, yep. <laughs> yeah. And we're not, we're not perfect, right? Like, yes. let's be very clear. I have some supremely petty tendencies. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just, it's, it's real. I can be very petty. <laughs> but I try to curb that mm-hmm. with what I just said. <laughs> It's, I'm, I'm, re- I'm literally right there with you. We just, we catch ourselves. <laughs> we catch exactly. ourselves fast. That's, that's the thing. You just got to catch yourself. Mm-hmm. So I want to know, you know, you talk a lot about changing stories, which I believe is just like the most p- powerful possible thing that we can do. And I just find it so interesting how no matter how much you work, there's always just another story underneath another story. And thank goodness, because, you know, life would be boring, I guess, if we just woke up and everything was perfect. <laughs> but what is something, a story right now that you are transforming in your head or working on transforming that something that's coming up in your life um, that you feel is a bit of a block? You know what? I just said this, I just said this the other day that this is the old story and the one that I am challenging right now. Okay. But that, that popularity is essential for success. Oh man. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I especially that. now. 
right? Especially now, like putting a book out into the world, yeah. right? You are all the right people retweeting me? And, you know, are all the influencers with air quotes, the influencers, are they all talking like this idea that you have to be whatever is considered popular mm-hmm. in order to be successful? And I'm, I'm really pushing against that and challenging that and saying like, no, 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 no. Success for me is about impact. Mm-hmm. And, and impact for me actually is not always about scale. It's not always about metrics. It's about meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but that is really hard. Even something you just said, like it, it's shocking how, no matter how much we do this work, there's still stories to mm-hmm. unpack. And that's because, and one of the things I really spend a lot of time in the top of the book talking about is we live in a world that is made up of stories. Yes. Right. Like most of the, we didn't come, we weren't born believing one thing or another. These are all around us. And in particular, um, you know, this generation, folks who are coming of age now, um, you know, with technology and mass media and marketing, I mean, we are bombarded with stories every day. So the only way to kind of maintain what you believe to be true and maintain your values and your outlook and new stories is with what I call like rituals of resistance. You Mm -hmm. have to resist actively and intentionally because if you're not, I mean, it's very, very easy because the stories are all around you and you have to kind of, you have to play in the world where those negative stories do exist in order to kind of be a functioning person in society. Yes. And that's what's hard. So it's a, it's a constant practice. So would you say it's kind of like, like explain more about understanding how it's there because man, I... I so feel you. That book just brought up all of that. And it's funny because my book is literally about that as well. Like yeah. like building your own tribe so that you don't like have to fall into that story. But yeah. yet I found myself falling into that story of, but this book won't get out if, you know, I don't know these people. It's not getting in the right hands. The right people aren't seeing it, whatever that looks like. And then you have to go back to what you said. Like you said something so beautiful, just challenge what the meaning of success for this book or whatever you're doing or creating really is. Like, what is that meaning of impact? Like having to go back there. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm like, I think I asked a question in the beginning, but I'm just uh, going to go yeah. on. It's like, I think you did. Too. I cannot remember what it was. Well, I don't either. So I'm going to go on to my next one. Um, <laughs> it's so funny. I'm so that podcast host. I'm like, guess what? Forgot what I just said. So um, <laughs> I have a good conversation. <laughs> I want to know about shifting the story around your identity, like mm-hmm. just who you are. Because man, especially being you know raised in a uh, religious family, just there's so many ways that we can look at ourselves and how we are meant to show up in the world. And, you know, I grew up in just a lot of fear and shame and that really has played a role in a huge part of just, you know, how I showed up in the world. So how do we start shifting this identity that truly feels like this is who I am? Right. I think it's a lot of it has to do with experimentation. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds crazy. And I don't mean like you have to experiment with wild and crazy things. <laughs> it starts with drugs, everyone. <laughs> just, that's the first step. Yes, okay. um, no, but, but, but being willing to step outside a little bit of, of what... Here, let me put this in practical terms. So I found myself, even at the end of this journey, when I was kind of in a new life, I'd moved cross country. I had a completely new job. I had a business. I was just like living. Everything looked new. Mm. 
I found myself still saying the same things about myself though, right? I was still saying like, oh, but you know, I'm like fill in, what, fill in the blank with whatever self-deprecating thing I was saying, right? Like mm-hmm. I am, um, oh, I'm so type A, I'm so uptight. Or, you know me, I'm stressed all the time. Or, you know, oh no, I don't ever want to be out front. Whatever the thing was that I'd always been taught about myself, I was still saying that and believing it, even though the outside of my life looked different. Mm. And so that was sign number one to me that like, oh, wait a minute. If everything else has changed, why do you still feel the same way about yourself? Why are you still confessing and saying these things? Um, So when there's like cognitive dissonance, when there's a gap between the life that you're trying to create and the words that you say about who you are, that's the first indication that maybe there's some identity work needed there, right? Mm. Um, Who, and then, and then even within that, okay, so then if you know that the person that you're talking negatively about or that you were taught to be is not who you want to be, then the journey begins of figuring out who that is. And it's not like a clear, easy, like there's no like user profile for you. You weren't like born knowing like, oh, I'm that person. Mm. It evolves. And I think eliminating the expectation that you can create this like really neat user profile that says exactly who you are from now till the day you die. There isn't that thing, right? Mm-hmm. All you know, all you have is your intuition and, and the reflection of the people around you to know kind of your, your, what I call wayfinding. There's not a clear path. You're responding to feelings. You're responding to circumstances. You're responding to things around you and kind of moving as a result of that and, and evolving and figuring it out as you go. And so I think the same is true for your identity understanding that, okay, these things that I've been taught don't reflect how I feel on the inside. What can I do that does better reflect that? And I think if you continue to try to make those small steps, you'll wake up one day and realize like, oh, I'm, I'm actually, <laughs> actually a different person than I thought mm. I was. Oh man, you just, you brought up so much. Uh, you actually just brought up so much for me there thinking about how we can you know, part of our story is what we either teach from or what we identify with, even though we're past it. And sometimes we can feel like if we don't share certain parts of our story that we won't be understood because there is a time, Erica, it might be right now for you or in the future or whatever that will look like where you have done so much work and so many things that you don't, you know, you don't identify just like I don't identify with certain things that happened in the past in my life. But then you can also like feel like you are not, what's the word, like not relatable because you almost feel like you need to keep bringing in the story and bringing in the story. At what point do you just kind of like trust and have faith and stop feeling like you have to keep that identifier because it might be holding you back? Like, well, I used to have panic attacks. Well, I used to do this or I used to struggle with this. Or is there not a point? Mm-hmm. I, mean, I think it's a different, it's a different point for everyone, but my, so my corollary to that was when do I need to stop or when can I stop identifying myself based on like the organization or company that I used to work for? Uh, right. Cause like mm-hmm. those were, Oh, you worked for this particular really successful, famous person in DC or, Oh, even most recently, Oh my God, you worked for Snapchat. And I would always feel like if I don't have those qualifiers, am I qualified? Right. If I don't say those things about myself. (laughs) I like that. I gotta write that one. I'll use that. Um, But in that, that is just, that is just work. Part of it was me saying, well, do those things reflect who I am now? Mm. Are they even things I not just need to be affiliated with, want to be (laughs) any longer. Right. Uh Um, 
and just so much of life is about asking yourself the question. You're, you may not even have the perfect neat cookie cutter answer, but so much is just about stopping, taking the moment to ask the question. Does this thing that I used to say still reflect who I am or, or where I'm going or who I want to be? If the answer is no, then let's get rid of it. Mm, that is so good. And I, you literally took me to the moment. <laughs> this sounds so stupid, but it's just, it was an actual moment in my life where I went to like the bio on my website and I went to the bio on my Instagram and I took off like two things that I used to cling to. And I was like, this isn't me anymore. Like that was beautiful. And that was another life, but I don't identify and I don't need it because I really, truly believed to my core that I needed to tell people these things. Yep. Yep. And especially, especially as a woman, especially for me as a woman of color, as a black woman, like Mm -hmm. I always felt like I had to come into spaces or meet people with just so many um, credentials or a list of every single thing I've done so that they would think I was worthy to be in the room. Mm. Uh, And I finally stopped doing that. because I was like, Oh no, I'm, I'm I'm worthy just because I'm me. You're lucky to be in my presence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like, this is what I said to myself. Like, you're lucky to be in my presence regardless. I, I mean, I was dope when I was born. Like, these are the things, that, while they might sound arrogant, you have to tell yourself to remember who you are, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, mm-hmm. Not, I'm not dope and smart and amazing because I worked somewhere. Mm-hmm. They, they wanted me to work there because I was dope and smart and amazing. I am mm-hmm. who I am. And I take that with me regardless of these past identifiers or past experiences. I don't need the credentials. And again, this is also part of challenging these stories that we've been taught, right? That, mm. that authority only comes from these kind of labels and titles that we've been given by capitalism or by you know, pop culture or whatever it is. When the truth is your power exists inside of you. Mm-hmm. No one else can take it and no one else gave it to you. Mm. And when you really remember that, it kind of, it, it sets you free. Oh my God. I, you are like, yeah, you're speaking straight to my soul because that was such a struggle for me for so many years. It was like, they're going to find out. They're going to find out. I don't have, like, I don't have this or I don't have that or I don't have this. And I was like, the the only story that could ever change it is just the results that I had in my life or the way that, you know, I was able to either help people or the wisdom that I knew that I did. And if you don't just focus on that, and like you said, like, you were like, this might sound egotistical, but here's the thing. We tell ourselves, and I know you know this, like every everybody listening knows they probably speak way more negatively, like 80% negative out of this small amount. Like we can't tell ourselves we're amazing enough. Like, you right. know, it's it's very rare that I'm like, wow, I am just speaking so nice to myself all day long. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah, so, so true. Uh, what's been one of your biggest challenges in life? Just something that really stands out that you were like, that was a challenge that truly shaped me. When I, so when I was 16, my father passed away mm. and he was kind of just the center of my universe. Mm. And I took that at that time to kind of, you know, okay, well, he's gone. I have to step up and fill his shoes and like take on this legacy and all this pressure. And I think for me, and kind of a real emotional challenge was when I realized that pressure hadn't always led me to a good place. Mm. It, it led me to always feel inadequate. It led me to all, you know, kind of stress myself out all the time. And I had to let go that story of being just Tommy's daughter. Mm. That I am, I am more than that too, right? And that was like a big. That was like, oh, let's let's go to a therapist for that one. <laughs> let's, work, <Yeah. laughs> let's work through that. 
um, and really find out who am I outside of just my relationship to a particular tragedy in my life. Mm. So who did you find out that you were after that? Like what started, what were the first things, you know, maybe when you were talking with your therapist or you were talking with friends and really trying to work through it, what were some of the things that you were guided to, to focus on or figure out or take action on to figure that out? Uh, That's a good question. Let's see. So uh, some of it was, you know, when you tell that story, because I tell the story, I even tell it in the book of kind Mm -hmm. of what that experience was like and what happened and how it formed me and shaped me. How do you talk about it? Do you talk about it as kind of like the, the central moment of your entire life? Or do you talk about it as an experience that impacts, but doesn't define you? Mm. So one was literally just practicing when I tell the story, because that is a, a crucial part of my journey and how I see the world. When you tell that, reframing how I shape its impact and don't say like, and so that is who I am. Mm. And instead, you know, say like, and that is one of the things that contributes to, you know, X, Y, and Z. You know, I think that was, that was the first step. So much of, of my journey has been about like practicing how you say things, practicing yes. how, you, how you tell a story about yourself and your life. Because as you said in the very beginning of our conversation, the more you say things out loud, the more real they become. Mm. Oh man, that's so the truth. So I want to know, especially, uh, you know, from a woman, I really want to hear about how you um, have changed your story around money. And I think it's so big especially moving from, you know, pivoting from different careers. And if that's a a past part of your story that you needed it or you didn't have it or whatever that story was, how, what was your story growing up around money and how have you changed that? Yeah. I mean, money for me, I mean, literally was synonymous with shame. Mm -hmm. You could swap the words out. (laughs) Shame. Yeah. In in one way or another, like no matter how it looked, no matter how much of it I had, there was shame tied to it. So. You know, I grew up in, in an environment, I was kind of like always in this weird middle ground where because of um, my father's ministry and where our church was and kind of what, what um, his calling in the world was, we were always around and surrounded by people who were really, really low income. I mean, truly, like sometimes didn't have food to eat, would come to our home, didn't have a place to stay, would sleep on our couch. So in that world, which is where, you know, 70% of my life was, I was considered like really well off because we had a house and I went to, went to a private school and wore a uniform and we took vacations. And so in that arena, I was kind of ashamed of having so much more than I felt like I deserved. Mm. Then I would go to school um, and you know they would know I was actually there on scholarship, not because we had a lot of money. And my parents were really scraping by to get me the the things that I needed to kind of be at the at the schools that I was at and that the um, the opportunities that I had. Um, you know, I was I didn't have a car when I turned sixteen. I went to this really really wealthy white private school. I was bust out there, and so in that sense, it was shame for not having enough. I was considered not well off at all. Um, and so in both of those environments, what I was taught was what I have is not enough, mm. right? One way or the other, what I have is not the thing I'm supposed to have. I don't mm. either have. Um, and so that carried with me throughout life. Mm. Uh, when I was working in the nonprofit sector, when I was, you know, you know, working in politics and I was working in, even in tech, right. Around literal, <laughs> literal 28 year old millionaires. <laughs> yep. Huh. 
this is different, right? And I would feel those same feelings of shame rise up. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't drive the same car to work that you do. It sounds so superficial and silly, but these were the narratives that I had. So I really had to kind of go back and say, but if none of that was around, if none of those other people were around ever, what do you believe about money? Like in your dream world, what, what would money be, right? Mm. And money is simply a tool. It is simply one of many tools that we have to create impact in the world. That's it. That's all it is. It is a tool. Um, And yes, it matters a lot to society. And I'm not the kind of person who's going to say like, oh, money doesn't matter. No, it does. It does. (laughs) But my identity is not tied to it. There is no moral connection to it. Me having a lot of it or not having a lot of it has nothing to do with who I am as a person. It has nothing to do with my talent, my skills. All it tells me at any given time is kind of what the market thinks about me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's very, very different. And so once I did that, I really started to research kind of like, I got very nerdy about it and was like, let me understand markets a little bit better. Let me understand how you know value is placed on work. And I was like, oh, none of this has anything to do with me. <laughs> yeah. And the more you realize that, then you feel a bit more empowered to kind of do what you need to do, make what you need to make. Again, I'm not saying I don't think about money. I do, especially as a woman. I'm like, I, I'm going to get the bag. Like, I, like <laughs> as a woman, I'm determined to get the bag. <laughs> but I don't, again, I don't tie any sense of value or worth to that. Mm, oh my God. You you just painted such a vivid picture for me. Like m- money doesn't care. Like it's not going to a certain person and being like, yeah, not for you. Or like not for you. It's for anyone who understands it. Like yeah. you just figure it out. You figure out, is there an exchange system? Is there like, what is the actual value place? It's not about your family. It's not about your past. It's just a thing that if you figure it out, you can create it. It's it's so interesting. It's like, doesn't take anything personal. It just does its thing. It's never going to change. It does its thing. And to the extent that there are things outside of our control, because again, I come from a um, um, kind of a political and, and social critique background. Mm-hmm. When I look at the distribution of wealth, and yeah. the, when I look at, I mean, there's absolutely um, injustice there. When I, that also helped me be more empowered to fight against the things that I think are wrong with the systems that control our money, right? Mm-hmm. And the systems that control the distribution of money and all of that stuff. So again, I'm not, I'm not saying that it's just like, oh, it's just this thing right. and everybody can have it equally. And no, no, there are very real systems at play, but but part of it is, again, separating who I am as a person from all of that, learning what I can, making what, making the most that I possibly can, yes. because I'm also in a good position to impact and help others. Yes. I love that. Um, so I could talk to you all day, clearly. Me too. Uh, <laughs> but this podcast is not that long. So uh, <laughs> I would love to know, is there anything that we have not talked about that's kind of just like on your heart right now? Hmm. No, I mean, I think, I think we've covered, if nothing else from this conversation, you can tell every time I talk about this stuff, I get super passionate just because I think there needs to be not just a me, not just a you, but mm-hmm. so many more of us telling the truth, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're in this moment when it is so hard to hear voices of, of truth. And when I, when I say truth, I'm not talking about a particular ideology or a particular, um, you know, whether politics or religion, any of that, I'm talking about these fundamental values, um, that show how much power we have as individuals to shape our lives. Mm -hmm. Um, that it is okay that so many of us are struggling to figure it out. 
Um, and then if we all collectively come together and say, no, 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 I don't believe that. This is what I believe. You, oh, you too? Yeah, me too. Let's get together. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. We can not only help ourselves and build better lives as individuals, but I really, this is where kind of like my social change brain kicks in. And I'm like, the more of us that do that, we actually can create a better society. Like mm-hmm. I, I fundamentally believe that even though it sounds very pie in the sky, that's how it happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it happens when a bunch of people come together and say no, and then say yes to something else. And so, you know, I hope my book helps people see what that yes could be mm-hmm. and what the something else is for their lives. Mm. Well, your book is amazing. And I want everybody to, to grab it because seriously, it's it's written so beautifully. It's written exactly how you speak, I feel like, which is awesome. That's my favorite way to read a book. Um, and you guys, where can we go grab it right now? You can grab it everywhere books are sold. So Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Um, my site is youdeservethetruthbook.com and it'll show you the nearest bookstore. Um, it's in hardcover, it's an ebook and audiobook as well. Mm, and where are you going on tour? Are you just all over the place or are you hitting certain spots? I'm all over the place, but um, coming up in the next couple of weeks, I've got um, you know our LA event on uh, the 9th. I've got DC on the 14th, all this is of May, New York on the 15th, San Francisco on the 16th. So all the tour dates are also on youdeservethetruthbook.com and we're adding them every day. Okay. Amazing. And Erica, I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for coming on and just being so willing to share your story and for all of the work that you're doing. And I'm sending you so much love on your book tour because I know that that's exactly your favorite place to be is in the rooms with people. So it's going to be so awesome. And I always end on one last question. Are you ready? Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Everybody (laughs) says, "Uh uh-oh. I'm like, it's not that hard. Um, Okay. So you are in passing with a complete stranger. It's like 30 seconds, whether it's on a sidewalk or in an elevator, Um, but it's quick. And they ask you, how can I make myself happy? What do you say? Give yourself some grace. You're Mm. already on the right path. Mm. So beautiful. You guys, (laughs) (laughs) and that's about all you can say in 30 seconds too. (laughs) So great. You guys, if you loved this podcast as much as I did, make sure you share it with your friends so that you can share Erica's message with everybody in for real. Go text it to someone you know right now who needs it. And until next time, earn your happy. Bye everyone. Thank you guys so much for spending this time with me on the Earn Your Happy podcast. I am so glad that you stopped by. If you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would love it, that would be absolutely amazing and we would be forever grateful. Also, please leave us a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving us an honest thought, an honest comment. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you want to hear more of. It would really help us out on our journey to helping thousands and thousands of people. Until then, don't forget to earn your happy. Thanks again, guys. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. And I want to make sure that you have my phone number and I'm not kidding. Did you know that I have a community text number? For real. My phone number is 310-496-8363. This goes directly to my phone. All you have to do is text the word daily to 310-496-8363. And I 
literally text you every single day, Monday through Friday. I actually just got done 30 seconds ago texting a bunch of people back and I talk to you all of the time. You guys, people always ask me how I got my community text number and how it works. Well, all you have to do is you can just go to community.com and get your own. Community makes it easy to get a phone number that you can use to build your audience using text. People just text you at your number and they're added to your group. Then you can text them out audios, video links, anything you want. You guys, I text out happy birthday videos. I love to send podcast links, thoughts about life, book recommendations, uh, different events that I'm doing in the local area. Texting gets me out of the noise of social media and directly into your hand. And now you can start texting your people too. Just go to community.com to get your phone number. They give you a 10 digit real phone number, not those weird short codes that look like spam, but it's more than a phone number. Your new number comes with an inbox for SMS and texting. This means you can actually manage your text list from your computer and an app on your phone. You can schedule texts to send at certain times and to certain groups. You can even set up auto replies or let your assistant or customer service team answer your text messages via community's awesome dashboard. Just go to community.com and ask for a free demo. They'll show you how it works and get you your number. It's time to start texting your audience versus just posting on social media. Everyone uses community for that. So go check them out at community.com. I can tell you it's not just great for communicating with my audience, but Chris and I use community and our texts to also sell out our launches. I'm telling you, you get such an incredible response because you really are creating a true deep sense of community and it's so intimate. It's freaking amazing. Go check it out at community.com. Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you wanna create on a course or webinar and bam, it's just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're gonna customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you gotta go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers who use this and now their smart AI platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business. Go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com.
Do you know what the big secret is this year? And it shouldn't be a secret because this should be your biggest focus. It is building your community. I am always working on building and nurturing my community and everyone is talking about the power of community. Without an online community, you just cannot grow organically or create a real movement, which is what I know that we're all after. And you can build trust or monetize your audience. When you get community right, not only does your audience grow faster, but so do your sales. But where's everybody gonna be managing their communities these days? And a lot of online entrepreneurs and thought leaders are turning to circle.so. Circle is an all-in-one community platform. It lets you host content and create discussions, live streams, group chats, and memberships all under your own brand. And what's so cool about Circle.so is that you don't even need a website or Facebook group. Instead, Circle lets you build your own community site where you can host content and manage your members. You can even create locked and unlocked content spaces, groups, and classes. How freaking cool is that? You can put your content behind a paywall too, and you can charge different amounts of money for different spaces on your community site. Circle.so is famously easy to use, and it has a free 14-day trial for you, so you can go check it out, see if you like it, see if you love all the options. Just go to circle.so. Go check it out right now, you guys. Imagine being able to manage your community, start group chats and live classes, and accept payments all in one place. Kind of mind-blowing since this is usually spread all over the place. You have to log into so many different things. If this is the year to capture, organize, and monetize your community, head over to circle.so. You can get a free trial and start building your online community right now. Just go to circle.so. You guys, you get the 14-day free trial. So just go and see if it's for you. It's going to streamline everything and make your life so much easier. It's so freaking cool.